Now, I remind you that all of the messages that we preach are available on 90-minute cassette tapes at the back of the auditorium. Stop back there and pick one up. I know there'll be a great blessing to you. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, if you have your Bible, as we share with you the message that God has given us for today, the fourth chapter, Galatians, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, as we share with you that message that God has given us. Ephesians 4, starting at the 23rd verse. Ephesians 4, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now skip down to the 30th verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians, the first chapter. We start at the 11th verse, Ephesians 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise and of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of faith, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Revelation chapter 7. Start at the first verse. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, I want to talk to you this afternoon about being sealed, being marked by God, by the renewing of your mind, coming into the fullness of the revelation of, as Paul said in Philippians 2, having this same mind, go with me, letting this same mind which was in Christ Jesus, go to Philippians, now keep Revelation 7 marked because we're going to come back there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even unto the death of the cross. Now, I want to talk to you this afternoon about having the seal of God. 
having the new mind, putting on the new nature that God wants you to have. Now, there are many people that do not understand, and especially when you start delving into the book of Revelation, you leave a lot of folks standing in the dirt because a lot of people stay totally away from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is not some apocalyptic fairy tale that's going to happen out in the future. It is not something that we as God's people should ignore, but the book of Revelation is the total revealing and unveiling of Jesus Christ. It is not the revelation of St. John the Divine, as some Bibles will title it. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation 1.1. Let me share with you the three R's of Revelation. And I don't just mean the book. I'm talking about the three R's of the spirit of Revelation. How many recognize that Revelation is more than just a book? All right, now, the three R's of Revelation are this. R number one is that the subject of the revelation or that which is revealed. Second R is the R of the one that is doing the revealing, the revelator. And the third R, probably the least important, but unfortunately man's religion has made it the most important in the book of Revelation, is the receiver. The three R's of revelation, the revealed, the revelator, or the revealer, and the receiver of the revelation. You excuse my handwriting, I'm kind of in a hurry. Go to Revelation 1.1. Stand up and read it for me. The revelation of Jesus Christ. There is the reveal. Amen? That's the subject of the revelation. Jesus Christ. Read on. Which who gave? Aha. Here is the revelator. God. And in Luke 10, did not Jesus say, No man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father? And did not Jesus tell Peter, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Jesus said to Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven, hath revealed this unto thee. All right, now read on which God gave to show unto his what? Aha, here are the receivers, God's servants. One of them happened to be named John. Read on. Things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel, going unto his servant John. All right, thank you. Now, the first thing I want you to understand, I've got to lay this foundation with you, and if it bores you and goes to sleep, we'll wake you up when it's over. Now, you know, someone said, I watch you on television, preach and shout. Well, when I come to New York, I come to teach people and help you come into the fullness of God's power. I'll pray for people. I'll minister to you by the Spirit of God, but there's so much flim-flam going on in New York, you all need to be taught the fullness of the gospel. Somebody say amen. And if you don't like that, then you'll probably want to go somewhere else. Hello. And as you can see, we can use your seat. I'm serious. I've found out if folks aren't hungry, I can't force feed you. But on the other hand, if you're hungry, the bread's here on the table. And there's water flowing. Hallelujah. For the Bible said they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they, not maybe, what? They shall be filled. Somebody say amen. All right, now, first of all, we find that Christ is the one being revealed. 
that God is the giver of revelation. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, which is above, and that God sent it and, and, and let John see it. But don't mistake this. John was not the only one that received the revelation. Now, see, there are a lot of folk that read the book of Revelation and they say, that's not for me. Beloved, I believe that you and I can have as much or more than John ever saw. And not only can we see what John saw, I believe we can understand the things that John could not understand. Can you say amen? For you will find that John did not understand many of the things that he saw. For the Bible says that he heard some thunders thunder. And he started to write what the thunder spoke. And a voice said, see that thou do not write. Seal it up. Don't write the things that the thunder speak. We also find on four separate occasions in the book of Revelation that John falls down to worship what he thinks to be an angel. Go to Revelation chapter 22, if you will, please. It happens in several occasions. Look at Revelation 22. Verse 8, And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. He says it's an angel. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them who keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Now, do you know what the angel was saying? He said, I'm not an angel. I'm one of the prophets. I'm like you. Hello, Enoch. Hello, Elijah. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Did not Paul say we are coming to the, uh, into innumerable company of angels and to the spirits of just men made perfect? Hello, talk to me, somebody. Now, as I, as I think on this Sunday, there are those that will say Brother Orville is out laying in the ground somewhere. Honey, Brother Orville is no more laying in a box or sitting in an urn than the man in the moon. We're talking about the spirit of a just man that has been made perfect and is in the presence of God. And if you think I'm crazy, some of you are going to have dreams and visions and that man's going to appear to you in the spirit and you're going to see the glory of God and God's going to use him as an instrument to let you know that it is well and that you're not in this thing alone. You say, Brother Paul, that almost makes it sound like you're talking about folks coming back from the dead. Honey, I got news for you. Brother Orville never died. He's alive forevermore in the presence of Almighty God and though he laid down the carcass and the temple of this flesh, he is a soul that is alive forevermore in the presence of God. For as Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Somebody clap your hands and praise the Lord. God has spiritual helpers. God has ministering spirit. And he got another one last Monday morning. Are you hearing me, somebody? <laughs> He's got another helper. For a while and for 65 years, God had him here in flesh to help ministers like Brother Paul. But finally, God said, I need another warrior in the spirit. And God said, I need somebody else that I can send as a ministering spirit. And God took him. And though in the natural I miss him, I say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah. Now, we recognize that John did not understand everything he saw. Now, we have to realize that God is not hiding things from his people. And it amazes me that most of us preachers don't even believe that we can see as much as they saw. 
Paul said that God is revealing the mystery of his will. God's not calling an ignorant dodos. God's calling folk that are hungry, that are searching, and that are seeking, and those people that are obedient and diligent unto him to whom he can reveal the deeper things of his glory. Can you say amen? All right, now, Paul exhorts and says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, if you will recognize the word seal. In biblical language represents several things first of all the word seal represents ownership the king would put his seal as you've seen the old movies they melt some wax and the king has like a ring or a signet and he puts it over the flap of the letter have you seen those movies and he says now deliver this to king so-and-so my seal is on it it represented ownership or it also represents a finished transaction now if you are a child of God God has sealed you he has marked you by that same mind now, God has made it available to you by the realm of forgiveness. Now, understand, just because you are forgiven does not mean you have received God's mark of spiritual identity. Now, see, there are a lot of folks that think because they went down to the altar and cried a bucket full of tears and a truckload of snot. All you classy city folks will have to excuse me. Some of us country folk, you understand. Hallelujah, we still got sawdust between our toe jams. Hallelujah. They think that simply going through the act of forgiveness is what causes them to be a new creature. But will you not witness with me? Some of us and many of us right here went to altars of forgiveness and asked God to forgive us, and yet we got right back up, walked right back out, and look at everybody going, and did the very same thing we did before. You know what happened? We were not yet sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We had not yet put on the new man. For my Bible said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Why? Because he said, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Now, forgiveness alone does not bring that. You must have more than just having your transgressions blotted out, and unfortunately there are many of us preachers that if we can get you at the altar we tell you that you got it and you've got the fullness no you don't have it you've got part of it and you've received the door and you've received the way but it's time to come on in the door and it's time to start walking on the way and it's time to ascend unto the heavenly places that God has ordained for you and it's time for you to come into that realm of knowing the fullness of God and becoming like him for the word Christian means Christ-like and what that simply means is having God in this flesh and manifesting the attributes and the characteristics. Honey, I might as well just say it the way it is. We got a lot of bastards in the church. A bastard is a child that knows not his daddy. And we got a lot of folks that run around blabbing in tongues, hooping and hollering and carrying on and talking about being a child of God. But they manifest no love. They manifest no joy. They manifest no peace. They don't manifest the gifts of the Spirit. They don't manifest compassion. And they don't manifest love. God
God is raising up some true children that are going to act like their daddy. They're going to walk like their daddy. They're going to shout like their daddy. They're going to manifest the attributes of their father. Somebody clap your hands and shout amen. Hallelujah. All right, now listen to me. Just because you are forgiven does not mean that you have been sealed and that you are kept. See, a lot, folks, forgiveness is not enough. John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, to them gave he power. The key is to become. Did not say you were made a child of God. It says you were, and you go back to the Greek, and it more accurately translates, not you were not given the power, but you were given the right or the privilege to become a child of God. Now the problem is if we don't have leaders that know any better, they'll get people up from the altar that have just asked for forgiveness and they'll say, you got it, you got it. No, you don't have it. You got part of it, but there's more where that came from. Can you say amen? All right, now, what does it mean? All right, it means, first of all, that there is an inherent responsibility that you have an obligation to receive and do something with what you receive from the Lord. Now, God has made available to you this new nature, but it's up to you to put it on. Now, if you are not in an environment that encourages you to put on this new mind, you will, I guarantee you folks, you will not come into that fullness. If you are in an environment that constantly stresses the works of the law, kind of getting quiet in here, that constantly stresses the works of the flesh, bless God, you wearing them wigs and that makeup, and you, ooh, y'all go. Next time it'll be my shoe. Y'all better wake up on Sunday afternoon. Folks getting all hung up about the flesh. Somebody said, don't you care about my flesh? No. If I can get your spirit man in line with God, your outward man's going to do what he ought to do. Y'all talk to me. We're so ignorant. We're trying to put it on from the outside in. You can clean up that outside vessel, but if the inside is still filthy, everything you put in it's going to be defiled. Somebody said, oh, so you're telling me if I get spiritual and get right with God that it doesn't matter how I dress? That's not even the point. When you're in line with God, the Spirit will tell you how to dress. It'll tell you how to carry yourself. And nobody had to take these little old whores down on 11th Street, 11th Avenue, and tell them how to dress. You mean to tell me God's people are more ignorant than the women of the cellar bodies on the street? Give me a break. We act like we're God's policemen. We get up and tell you. And you, have you ever noticed that all this holiness stuff is always at the women? It's always you little whores. Have you ever noticed that? Bless God, you women wearing your blouses cut down to there and your dresses hiked up to there. See, that lets me know the men have a problem. They're not living like they ought to live because if they were living like they ought to live, they wouldn't be looking at the women's blouses and dresses. They'd be seeking the fuller things of God. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout amen today. Now, 
See, that lets me know who's not really the new creature. Hello? They're not looking at spiritual things. They're walking after the flesh. If you are not in an environment that encourages spirit walk and spirit living, you will not come into the fullness of having this mind. See, because this mind, if you read Philippians 2, one of the attributes of this mind is that you do not think it robbery to be equal with God. Now, we're not talking about equality in man's sense, that we're, that we're as smart as God or we're as powerful as God and we can tell God what to do and that when God speaks to us, he doesn't speak in commandments, he only makes suggestions. God does not make suggestions. God speaks by commandment. God does not come to you and say, no, Brother Winston, no, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you to be a missionary for me and he can find the time. Sorry. When God says, move, you better move. Doesn't the song say you may be high, you may be low, you may be rich, you may be poor, you may be sick, you may be well, but when the Lord gets ready, you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move. Am I right about it? All right, now, the point is this, that the new man is only brought about by the Spirit. Now, remember what I read to you in Ephesians. Paul said you are sealed by the works of your flesh, by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God that seals us in the new covenant. It puts the fullness of God's laws in our hearts and in our minds. Under the old covenant, God wrote his laws in tablets of stone. Under the new covenant, Paul said, God writes his laws in the fleshy tables of the heart. Now, the point is this. When you're a new creature and you come into the fullness of that new mind, it brings you into the understanding, A, that God is the spirit. And if I'm going to be equal with God, that means I cannot mind the things of the flesh. I can't walk after the flesh, but I've got to be led by the Spirit. And that bears witness with Romans 8, 16. For as many as are led by, uh, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Somebody say amen. Now, if you're not led by the Spirit, you are not walking in that new mind. I don't care how you act. I don't care how you dress. You are not a new creature. You have not been sealed with that sign of ownership. You have not been sealed as a finished transaction. Now, but on the other hand, when you come into the fullness, now somebody said, well, how do I get this thing? All right, first of all, recognize that there is more than just forgiveness. If all you have is forgiveness, you don't have enough. What do you mean? Jesus said, learn of me. He said, take my yoke upon you. For you'll find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, he didn't say there wasn't a burden. He didn't say there wasn't a yoke. And he didn't say there wasn't anything to learn and be taught. But what he did say, he told us who to learn up. He said, learn of me. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, now, we recognize this, that forgiveness is the door. It opens, that gains you access to the deeper things of God. Now, 
I, I, I think all of us are reasonable human beings. Uh, am I overestimating things? Some of you kind of gave me a vacuous stare. How many consider yourself a reasonable human being? Well, I ain't going home with some of you then. If you're not sure how sane you are, I know I'm not sure how sane. Now, you do not walk into your house or walk to your door. Unlock the door, open it, and just stand in the doorway. Wow. What a lovely door. I mean, look at the trim. Look at the craftsmanship of this marvelous door. You don't do that. You don't even think about the door unless your key won't work. Huh? It's just a point of entry. And the only time you worry about it is when you can't gain access. Oh, I know you folks just anoint it with oil and pray for it. Now, there are some things I'll believe, but that ain't one of them. The point we understand is that forgiveness is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. It is the door that enables us to have access to the kingdom of God, to come in and receive the ownership, to receive that final transaction, that finished product of the fullness of God's power. Now, if all you have is forgiveness, you do not have this new mind. You do not have this new nature. And folks, look at how many people sit on pews every Sunday that have been told that they have this new nature and they do not manifest the attributes of that nature. They don't manifest the gifts of the Spirit. They don't manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what's even worse? Their leaders don't encourage them to. Come on, talk to me. I mean, I, I do have to blame the people to some degree, but the leaders, if you're not in an environment that encourages you to come into the fullness of God's power, folks, you're not going to flourish in that realm. Somebody say amen. All right, now, when you do come in, first of all, you will be transformed in the thinking of your mind. Jesus described it by saying, give me Romans 12 too, but also we recognize that Jesus let us know that we would begin to seek different things than we sought under the old order. Got Romans 12 too? Read it. And be not conformed, be not conformed to this world, but be, ye but be ye transformed how? By the renewing of, By the renewing of your mind. All right, now we also recognize that Jesus said in this kingdom that the first shall be the last. The last shall be the first. The least shall be the greatest. And the greatest shall be the least. Now, I hear a lot of Christians that are struggling on their way home. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I don't mean to steal some of your testimonies. Now you know why we don't have a lot of testimonies around here. I mean, I've been, I've been so discouraged after hearing some folks' testimony. I want to quit. I'm serious. You ever listen to some folks' testimony? I mean, they are pathetic. If you took them and set them to music, you'd have a blues hit that would outsell B.B. King and Aretha Franklin. And it, hello? 
They talk about how bad everything is. Everybody pray for me. Ain't nothing going right. My husband done left. The kids are all sick. Can't pay the rent. The lights are gone out. But I love my Lord. Lady back there said, my God, he's heard my testimony. <laughs> oh, smile, you old deadheads. But you see what I'm talking That's one reason I don't like folks to get up and run their mouth. Because most people don't glorify God. Now, the point is this. We recognize that as a child of God, when we come into the full... Now, I lost my train of thought. We recognize that we come into the newness. Knowing that in this realm, when we're sealed, when we're that new creature, the things that were, oh, I know what I was talking about. Some of these people that are so pathetic, they use that scripture where Jesus said, the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. They say, well, I know I'm going to be first over there because I sure am dead last now. <laughs> Amen. Oh, don't act like some of you haven't said that. Now, that's not what that scripture means. What it means, Jesus said, in the kingdom. Now, where is the kingdom? It's in you. So, therefore, Jesus was talking about something that would happen to you when the kingdom of God was established in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He said, the first shall be the last, and the last shall be the first. Now, for example, before you got saved, being in a basement on a Sunday afternoon in a religious service was about the last thing on your mind. I don't know about you, but for me on Sunday, that was kind of the day to recover. Oh, we know what they used to do. Do you believe I said that? <laughs> Some of you could say it right along with everybody else. You know, because Sunday was spent going, oh. Somebody say, you want something to eat? Don't even mention food. Now, you know what? Some of you tickle me because you know what some of you are doing right now? Oh, now when I lived in the world, I didn't do any of those things. God bless you. You were still filthy. Hello. Now, being at a service on Sunday was the farthest thing from your mind. But here you are. Now, the last thing that you think about now is having to spend Sunday afternoon recovering from a Saturday night drunk. That's the last thing on your mind. So the things that were first have now become last. And the things that were last have now become first. We're talking about a total 180 degree change. Are you hearing me? The things that used to be important, they aren't important anymore. The things that weren't important are now the most important thing of your life. So what's happened is, though you're in the same body, there's been a change in the nature of what's in this body. Now, some of you can't say that. Some of you find it a real battle. You've got to make yourself praise God. got to make yourself go to church. Now, I grant you there are times through trials that you kind of have to make yourself go. But, folks, if you find it a chore, 
I'm just going to come right down and clean some plows today. If you find it a chore to worship God, if you find it a, a, a thing that you almost try and get away from to have fellowship and communion with the Lord, then my friend, you better look at what that nature is in you because you may not have the fullness of being that new creature and being renewed in the spirit of your mind. All you have to do is look at your life. Are the things of life the most important thing to you? Are the circumstances of your life upsetting? Are they the elements that totally dominate your life? If they are, then you have been conformed to the things of this world. Now, the, the, the hard part about this is, is that much of religion in the name of God is teaching people to be conformed. We are preaching that true success as a child of God is money health, possession, and so most of God's people spend, and I'm going to step on you now, many of God's people spend most of their prayer life praying for money. What happened to all the amen? They spend it praying for God to heal them, for God to save somebody in their family. Now, you can go ahead and get mad at me because you got to love me. Now, see, you can always tell where people live by the way they respond to your preaching. You know, when you preach on living right, everybody that's living right, yeah, go ahead. And everybody's kind of slipping around that, I don't like that. There's a man to tell me how to live. Preach on paying tithe, everybody that's paying tithe, that's right, brother, preach on. And everybody that's stealing from God, he ain't in it for nothing but the money. Come on, somebody, talk to me now. Now, some of you, when I start talking about what you pray for, some of you got a little quiet on me. Well, see, now, I, I don't blame you entirely. I understand why you do it because, see, we, we, we live in such a pressurized religious community. There is so much peer pressure from our fellow Christians that we have to be rich. We have to always be happy. You know, we can never admit that we're having a trial because, brother, that's confessing defeat. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. Be careful about what you rebuke. Now, if you'll notice, there's a lot of pressure nowadays for Christians to always be on the mountain. Never have an off day. Never. I got to tell you, there's some days I get up, I don't even feel safe. Oh, I understand all of you wake up talking in tongues. I understand. And when you go to the bathroom early in the morning and stub your toe on the bathroom door, you just lift your hands and say, Hallelujah. And look at some of you go and say, That's right. Lord have mercy. The point is this, everybody in the natural has their down times. But see, when you walk by the Spirit, it does not matter. See, in, and, and I, I, some of you need to get this word. In the, in the flesh, you have highs and lows and mountains and valleys. But when you walk by the Spirit, there are no ups and downs. Because the Bible said he'll make the high places low and he'll make the low places High. He'll make the crooked way straight and the rough way smooth. Hallelujah. Now, the point is this, that in the natural, we all have our good times and bad times. I, some days you don't feel like praying. You, you all go through these things. We all do. But we also recognize that when we are of this new nature, 
there's something within that overrides this old natural man. And this old flesh starts acting up and you say, whoa, time out. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Someone asked me earlier today about fasting. You know, a lot of people don't understand what fasting is. You do not fast to be strong in God. What? Jesus said some of the, when the disciples couldn't cast out devils, Everybody listen to me. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. The disciples could not cast out the devils. They came back and said we couldn't cast them out. And Jesus said some of these things do not go out except by fasting with prayer. Now, understand this. Fasting alone will not cast out devils. Fasting, all it does, and let me just show you. You better be strong before you fast. Now, some of you better say amen to this. Because some of you have tried to fast to get strong and you ended up in the hospital getting sick and everything else. Now somebody said, well, what's fasting for? Fasting is to show the superiority of the spirit over the flesh. Now, when you fast, you deny natural food to your body. And it therefore causes you to rely on the Spirit to sustain you. Now, whether God puts you on a three-day fast, on a seven-day fast, a 40-day fast, whatever God tells you to do, when you get through with that trial, eat. And let your natural strength be restored. Because when you begin to restore your natural strength, you will look back and recognize that the power of God was able to sustain you in that time of trial, in that time of fasting, and therefore it will be an affirmation and a confirmation to you on how powerful the power of God really is. And so then when your natural strength is restored, you're going to be that much stronger in the Spirit. You see what I'm talking about? Because, folks, when you fast, your natural line of defense, is Lord and some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you every time you start to fast you get sick you get headaches you get weak you get tired boy it's uh, now too many of you have come and told me you have trouble fasting see the reason is you better be as they call it prayed up you better be walking in the spirit before and, and you know what I've found when you come into the fullness of the spirit it, it, fasting simply becomes a, 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 a part of your life. You know, I mean, food just doesn't even... I mean, you can take it or you can leave it. Somebody hear me say amen. Because you're not living by the sustenance of that bread. You're living by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't want to get off on that point. Let me, let me continue on. When you, are, when you come into the fullness of this new nature, you are changed of the inward man. Not only are you changed, and everybody hang on, but that change is signed, sealed, and delivered. And there is no devil in hell. Now, somebody said, what are you talking about? Well, 
we're talking about the mind. Now we recognize that this old gray matter up here is not the mind. It's the brain. The mind is a part of your soul. Your mind, will, and emotion. That's your soul. All right, now, this gray matter up here is the natural receiver of the impulses of your soul. Now, that's why you'll notice. When the brain dies, they can keep the body functioning. But if there is nothing there to stimulate that brain, honey, they can't bring you back. You are gone. See, that's why brain death in most states now is the legal definition of death. No matter if the heart is functioning, if you are declared brain dead in most states, you are now legally dead. Now, they may not know why they did it, but I do. Because, honey, your soul is in the presence of God. There is nothing there to generate the brain. All right, if you'll notice, doctors today can draw, drill holes in your skull take electronic probes and touch parts of your brain and cause you to move physically. But they cannot cause you to make decisions between right and wrong because that's only done by the spirit or the soul of a man. And then your brain just carries that function out. All right, now, what we recognize is is that the mind is physically represented by the brain. You understand what I'm saying? Its physical counterpart is the brain. You understand what I'm talking about? All right. In other words, that this brain rules this body. Our mind rules the spirit part of us. Now, that's why when you get saved, there is only one piece of the armor of God that has to do with salvation. That is the helmet of salvation. You don't wear a helmet on your elbow. You don't wear it on your leg. Where I come from, anybody with two cents worth of brains wears a helmet on their head to protect what's here. Talk to me, somebody. Because, you know, if you're in battle, you can be shot in the arm and survive. You can be shot in the leg and survive. With all of the microsurgery they can do, you can be shot in the abdomen and the stomach and, and still theoretically survive. You know, you're taking one in the heart, you know, you're gone. But basically, you wear the helmet to protect the brain. Because if that brain is damaged, even if you do physically survive, you will be impaired. Now, if you're a child of God, you have received the helmet of salvation. You have been sealed in your mind. Representative of the seal of God. The mark of God in your forehead. Remember Revelation 7? The angel of the living God came with the seal of the living God and said, Don't hold, hold the winds. Don't let it come forth until we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. All right, now that means spiritual ownership. And it also means a finished transaction. When you are sealed and you have that helmet of salvation, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise unto redemption, there is no devil in hell that can break the seal of God. You are God's property. Somebody said, well, what about backsliding? Can you backslide? Yes, if you're not born again. 
if you are trying to serve God by the law, you can backslide. But see, the problem is if you're trying to serve God by the law, you're a loser anyhow. Because you can't serve him by the law anymore. Someone said, oh, so you're telling me once saved, always saved? No, I'm telling you once born, always born. Can you show me in the Bible where it says to be unborn again? Somebody said, well, what about when people fall away? Oh, children do a lot of things wrong. But they're still your children. There are even some children that get disinherited. And they have no inheritance. And they have no treasure. But they're still your children. Sometimes your children go down to the pig pen. But even while they're down there, every once in a while, they come to themselves. And they say, you know, it wasn't so bad back at my daddy's house. And when they go back, they don't have to get born all over again. They're family. And the father's watching for them and said, here they come. Get out the ring. Bring me a robe and kill the fatted calf for my son has come back home. Somebody say amen. Now, you know what's amazing to me? These preachers will get up and preach about the prodigal son. As, as backsliders coming back home. That's not true. He was not a backslider. He was still a child of his father. Oh, it's getting kind of quiet in here. He may have been down there raised in hell and living like the devil. And you yourself know sometimes your children do things that embarrass you. They embarrass But it doesn't matter what they do. You can't change the fact that that boy, that girl came out of you. You fathered that child. It is still your child. They can change their name. They can dress a different way. Nowadays they can change from male to... Hello? And change her back again? Got a lot of shims. Hello?